Be sure to visit our new redesigned blog and make it your home for sports injury prevention and treatment, fitness, and nutrition. You can find podcasts of our show and many useful articles. You can go to smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. That's the name of our show, Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel, back with Dr. Brian Cole. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment, where you can submit your questions and uh, if you're lucky enough, we can read them off and have Dr. Cole answer them. And the way you do that is to go to our website, our homepage, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Look for the picture of Dr. Cole and yours truly. And underneath that picture, you can click on a link and ask the doc a question. Question number one, Dr. Cole, are you ready? I am. My teenage daughter, a softball player, experienced a posterior shoulder dislocation three weeks ago. The MRI report showed slight impact fracture of the humeral head, non-displaced tear involving the posterior glenoid labrum with adjacent posterior periscapular edema consistent with... Cap- <laughs> what am I reading here? Let's just, this let's should just be a doctor. Chase. Yeah, so really, so what do you... Next I, time, I, you're going to yeah. read these uh, highly involved yeah. questions. I mean, I think, you know, he has the MRI report, and I get a lot of these by email or text. They are and specific. Yeah, well, that's the impression of the MRI. You know, the challenge is in many instances, one cannot read an MRI and make a decision, and the MRI is usually supportive of what the diagnosis is. I mean, I can pretty much walk in a room, see this this teenager who probably slid or did something, her shoulder went out the back, posterior dislocation. Sometimes they have to be pulled back in place, and the question is what to do, and then the MRI supports what you normally see with that event, right? So the, he's asking a good question, though, and I'm sure he's very concerned. He's got a young daughter who's an elite-level uh, soccer player, for, or excuse softball. me, softball player for her age. And um, what's the future for her? And, the, and someone who has a posterior shoulder dislocation, it's a little different than an anterior one. Sometimes after that happens, they have the ability to – sometimes they will just heal and be fine. So we generally don't rush surgical intervention for that. We will often – all those findings in the MRI are exactly what you see when someone's shoulder goes out the back. It's like a golf ball falling off the tee. In this case, it goes off the back rather than the front. And it's much less common. Maybe one in 10 shoulder dislocations are off the back. And some of them, you just rehab. We quiet time for four, three to four weeks. They get start to feel better, and you rehab them. Some young people will learn the ability to voluntarily actually dislocate their shoulder once it goes out the first time in the back. They can position their arm in such a way where they put their arm in the frontal plane like in front of them and internally rotate their, their hands so their thumb goes down to the floor yeah. and bring their arm across their body. And they can actually make it come out of the socket from that point forward. Uh, and that's a problem because if they have a tear in the cartilage of the labrum like this young girl did, it can be tough to manage that by physical therapy or rehabilitation, and sometimes it just requires surgery. And sometimes they don't have instability again. They just have pain. These these labral tears can cause persistent shoulder pain. So the he's looking to know what to do. And is it dangerous to play? No. Sometimes uh, if she pitches, that's tough because uh, it's often windmill pitching, which has a huge forces across the shoulder joint. And she may have a tough time getting back. But I would always argue for conservative treatment. This would be a four to six year, four to six week run do some physical therapy, get out of a sling after a week or two when she's comfortable, and um, try to get back to sport. And if she can't, then she needs a, 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 another evaluation by someone who can manage this type of thing. And 
Typically, if it has to be fixed, we do it through a camera. It's done arthroscopically. It's literally about a 30-minute surgery. I did one uh, last week. It's a, this, it, The one I had was a girl who fell off an ATV, and she dislocated her shoulder out the back and uh, has a very specific presentation. It's pretty easy to fix. It's just the downtime. It takes about four to six months to get back, and if you're a pitcher, uh, it can be six to eight months. Absolutely. Good stuff. Okay, question number two on our Ask the Doctor segment. For cartilage knee defects, why would you choose MACI? Yeah, so Macy is a, it's been around for a long time, but it's re, it's an evolution on an older cartilage procedure that's been, got, been around since the 1990s, where we have a patient who has a defect in the cartilage, not arthritis, but a small spot of lost cartilage. We put a camera in the knee and take a small sample of healthy cartilage. We then send it to a laboratory laboratory where they grow the cartilage, and it comes back on a membrane of collagen, and we basically make an incision in the knee and lay that membrane of collagen that has... It's like growing grass. Yeah, you grow, you're like growing new sod. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly what yeah. you're doing. And you're repairing the area where it's missing sod. And um, what, uh, so it's a, it's a technique that there's been, you know, there's about 1,500 of these done a year since the early 1900s, 1990s. And um, it's a good operation. The success rates at 10 years and beyond exceed 75%. You can get athletes back to play. I reserve it for uh, patients who are relatively young, who have no problems in the bone but just have a, a loss of cartilage, uh, typically of the kneecap or the groove that the kneecap tracks in, and uh, it would have to be the first real procedure they've had. And there's plenty of patients who have this issue, and this is the right technique for that patient. But, you know, this is something that's tough to teach even to orthopedic surgeons who have an interest in repairing cartilage because some of it's an art still and some of it's based in science and uh, evidence that we track over time. We've published more than probably 300 papers on this topic and in general in cartilage repair, book chapters, books, things like that. And it's still an evolving area of medicine. Every couple of years, the, the body of knowledge probably doubles based upon how much is being published in literature. So uh, hard to answer this one uh, uh, on the radio, but it is a great technique. How does it compare to microfracture? That was the second part of that question. Yeah, so microfracture is still being used, you know, as opposed to about 1,500 of these Macy or cell-based transplant procedures. There's about 100,000 microfracture procedures being performed a year. And microfracture is good for a first-line treatment for a lower-demand athlete uh, who uh, doesn't have much to clean out but has a small area of lost cartilage, and we still do it. Uh, and it's an, a relatively straightforward procedure. It can all be done at the time you see the patient and you do the, the first surgery. It doesn't require two surgeries. Uh, and it uh, requires about a four to six to eight month recovery time, similar recovery times. The challenge with microfracture is that in some settings, depending on the level of the athlete, they may get an initial response and then the procedure can fail sometimes two, three uh, uh, years down the road. But I've had patients, we just looked up our data, we've had patients to get five, seven, eight years after microfracture. So it's not, I don't like to call it microfracture, I like to call it micro drilling because we don't actually want to break or fracture the bone. And the technique has gotten much better. So we do it differently now. And I think recently we've looked at our outcomes, we are doing a better job now than we did before. I remember when I first heard of microfracture surgery, I think the player was Amari Stoudemire. Yeah. I mean, it had been done right? well before him, but Amari was in the news and yeah, yeah. Uh, when he played for we, No one knew what it was. I thought it was well, a it, fracture yeah. Yeah. in one of the bones and you're doing microfracture microfracture surgery, but you're saying, yeah. you know... It, you're, you're basically poking holes in the bone yeah. to get access to our body's willingness to heal. To bleed, by, bleed that out, right? To get blood that has yeah. stem, our own body's endogenous or resident stem cells. And these cells will, in the right environment, lay down or form scar cartilage. Not normal cartilage, but form up. scar cartilage. So it'll be a white but softer fibro or fibrous scar cartilage. So it can do a great job, especially for smaller defects. Great stuff, Doc. We're out of time. Appreciate it. Wonderful, 
work once again. Many thanks to our producer. It is Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, as always, Tracy Tarl. also want to thank David Cole for managing our website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. So sorry we're out of time, but we've had great luck and success doing this show for so many years. We hope you join us again next week for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Up next, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, only on 670 The Score.